This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. So this is going to be our first, uh, or my first solo pod. You're not going to be a part of it today, Gina. Well, I am here right now. And by the way, I think this is them texting. Oh, son of a bee. (laughs) Maybe we should just put this on. I'm in the lobby. Oh, she's here. Okay. Okay. Well, that was the intro (laughs) to uh, the Molly Johnson interview. Mike just got the text to go pick up Molly. She's here. She's here. I can give you a quick mic check. Checkity check check. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Ages and Icons. I'm Mike Crisologo, arts and entertainment editor at Zoomer Magazine and EverythingZoomer.com, and I am joined by my silent partner today, Gina Bucci, as always. I'm not so silent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down here. I'm I'm recording. (laughs) Gina's sort of uh, behind the scenes today uh, because we are here on a very exciting day. It's our first ever live in-studio episode of Ages and Icons. Wow. Wow, exactly right. And for the occasion, we have the great uh, legendary Canadian singer-songwriter, um, philanthropist, music festival founder, radio host, <laughs> Order of Canada recipient, <laughs> mother, on on. mother, dog walker, <laughs> Molly, cleaner, <laughs> <laughs> Molly Johnson. Molly, thanks so much for being oh, here. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, it's funny. Uh, we were talking before off air about how I, I think this is the fourth time I've interviewed you for Zoomer. Wow. You, you've been <laughs> such a, a great friend of Zoomer. Um, I love Zoomer. I, yeah, and I think this is the first time I've met you face to face. But every time I interview you, uh, whether it's an album or a festival or something, you're always so busy and always on the go, 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 go. So gotta be busy. Yeah. How, how are you? For doing? a lazy girl, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> And now, of course, you're here to talk about uh, Meaning to Tell You, your yeah, new album. Yes, my new record. Nice. So I want to get into that in a sec. But, um, I mean, the last time, I guess your last album was because of Billy. That's right. right. It was 2014. That's right. And so I guess because you, you've got so much going on, and we'll, we'll get into it, um, I'm interested about your frame of mind when you sort of, uh, how, does, how does the concept of an album sort of come to you? When do you know, like, hey, you know what, I'm ready to sit down and start recording? Well, I had enormous love and support from Universal Music. Let's just start right there with Jeff. Jeffrey, our brand new shiny president who basically gave me a pile of money and said, go make a record. Okay, so this is an awesome thing. But uh, as a songwriter, uh, news junkie, eavesdropper, careful on the streetcars, people, I'm listening, (laughs) writing songs about you. (laughs) I love to, uh, I love writing songs. It's my favorite part of this whole business. The collaborative stuff, the songwriters I get to work with. That's where I get super excited. I I start with thinking about the kind of record I want to make, stories I want to tell. I'm a big news junkie, so... Of course, we live in troubled times. There's always troubled times. Um, I like telling your stories back to you. Um, I like talking about you. Um, and uh, so we start. I start those conversations with my songwriters. And we talk about instrumentation. We talk about the way we're going to record. I record live off the floor with the band. What you're hearing is a, kind of a live take of all of us. Um, I like that. I like working like that. Um, and I love 
writing lyrics. I'm a big book reader, newspaper reader, like I said, eavesdropper. <laughs> so it's really my favorite part of it is the collaborative songwriting stuff. Was there a particular inspiration for this album for Meaning to Tell You? You know, I had to, you know, I was due to make a new record and I'd done the Billy record mostly because people bug, 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 bugged me to make that record for like a decade. That was a beautiful record, it's by a the beautiful, way. That, that thank Billie you Holiday, so much. Thank uh, you so tribute. much. I called it because of Billy because I I felt that I was because of Billy Holiday. Mm-hmm. People would say, "Oh, you're so much like Billy," and I say, "I'm nothing like Billy. I know exactly who my father was. He loved me very much. He sent me to very good schools. I'm a very privileged girl. I am nothing like Billy, but I'm because of that generation of people who were who built that civil rights movement that my parents were a part of, that gave me the privilege that I had. So I I, I call the record because." Because. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a lovely, lovely thing. I didn't write anything on it. <laughs> I just let <laughs> Billy do it and others. Um, but this record, I, I really wanted, I, I thought about, geez, uh, what kind of record can I make that nobody else can make? I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. I, I really thought like that. Like, there's a lot of great singers, a lot of great songwriters in Canada. I had to kind of think about where, where I could fit into that. Yeah. And soul music was really where it was coming from at this point. Yeah, it's a really great mix uh, of the soul and the grooviness and the, the jazz. and, and Yeah, just... it's a bit of funk in there. Yeah, a bit of funk. <laughs> I was listening to um, the first time I put on the video for uh, Inner City Blues, right. the Marvin Gaye song. Yeah. Just that, the, the, the beat right off the top. Like, right. I mean, the, Davide the Dorenzo, Davide Dorenzo on drums there, oh. the heartbeat of that record. Um, you know, you take a song like Marvin Gaye, from Marvin Gaye, and, uh, you know, there was incredible production around that song. So we just took it all off. Mm-hmm. And just what's the meaning of the song? What is the what is the nugget that makes it so relevant uh, from 1971 yeah, to now, still so relevant, and yeah. still so relevant? Well, it's the lyrics. So let's just let's just let's just sing that damn thing all the way down. Let's just yeah. make that happen like that, and that's that's what you got. Yeah. So you have. Um you have three cover songs. Well, I, I guess do. we'll start with those. You have the yeah. we just, Inner City Blues, Marvin Gaye. Uh, and then uh, the second one is Leonard Cohen's Boogie Street. Which, yeah. You know, yeah. Our listeners, uh, Leonard Cohen is huge here as he is everywhere. Yeah. You know, you know, I wasn't like, obviously, I'm a Canadian. I love Leonard Cohen. Like, you're not, you yeah. know, you got to love Leonard Cohen. You're a Canadian. Um, the fact that this producer is uh, Larry Klein, the yeah. great Larry Klein who produced this record, was actually a friend of Leonard Cohen's. And when I went down to meet with him in Los Angeles and he presented this very obscure Leonard Cohen song, I went, wow, never, ever in my wildest imagination would I think of covering a Leonard tune. But when he played it to me and I heard the lyric, I went, yeah, man, yeah. sip of wine? Are you kidding me? <laughs> a cigarette? What? You talking to me? Yeah, he's writing about <laughs> us, right? Right? <laughs> so the song just made incredible yeah. sense, and I I loved the story that Leonard painted. Yeah. So again, sang it very cleanly with a lot of respect for Leonard. Yeah, I, I love it, too, just speaking as a, a Leonard fan as well, that it's not uh, another cover of Hallelujah. Well, or, you know, Leonard himself said that we all heard Katie Lang yeah. sing Hallelujah. And that's pretty much, we're done now. Yeah. Yeah. Leonard even <laughs> said that. Like, Leonard, I don't think, even wanted yeah. to sing it after Katie. I mean, she just killed it. Yeah. As she does everything. Well, of course, yeah. One of my <laughs> favorites. So, um, but then he brought this, this, little, this little nugget of a song, and I went, wow. Yeah, so. and I, I love your interpretation of it. Thank you. And uh, the third song, uh, "Lady Day" and Johnny Coltrane. Yeah, 
I mean, it's such a good cover. It's such a great cover. And, and you know, coming out of the Lady Day record, I thought it was a beautiful bridge. And that lyric, you know, when you feel so much pain, you got to listen to Lady Day and John Coltrane. Yeah. I thought, ah, oh, I love that. So <laughs> that resonated with me deeply. Uh, did, did any of these songs um, before you recorded the album, did they mean something to you throughout your life? Or no. 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 In fact, I mean, I grew up listening to Marvin Gaye. Who didn't? Yeah. Um, my, my dad listened to uh, Gil Scott Heron a lot like it was in our house for sure but you know it's my dad's music that's old school yeah. you know that's the way teenagers <laughs> listen to your, their parents course, music right yeah. and then it comes back around and bites you in the ass right? oh that's really actually does. a really good song my dad was listening to yeah. so it was really Larry Klein who the producer who had somehow gotten his hands on every single recording I'd ever done, all the way back to my punk days. And I walked into his garage studio, and he had like Altamoda, the Infidels, he had everything. And he had this chalkboard with all these song titles that he thought of after listening to my entire canon. Wow. And we just sort of went through those songs, and the ones that really seriously resonated me with me were the ones we recorded. Yeah. Now, that must be the difference between a producer and a great producer. He is a Grammy yeah. award-winning, yeah. married to Joni Mitchell yeah. for like 12 <laughs> years, Tracy Chapman, Madeline Perot, Melody Gardot, <laughs> Nora Jones, Holly Cole, goes on and on yeah. and on. He said to me when he finally met me, he goes, man, I've been hearing about you for years. Where have you been? And I said, at home raising my kids. <laughs> Which is was, like the mic drop moment right yep. there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, now we get to add Molly Johnson to yeah, that Yeah, list. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when you're writing your own songs now, because you have, I think, there's seven original yeah, songs yeah. on there. I'm always curious when we, we introduce songwriters about where your inspiration comes. And you talked a little bit about it before, listening out on the street. Yeah. But like now compared to when you were uh, starting out as a singer-songwriter, has that changed? It really hasn't. I've no? always been curious and a real news junkie and a journal person. Like I do write and snip stuff and keep them in these crazy books. And then when it's time to actually write lyrics, I can literally go through them and go, oh yeah, I remember that idea. I'll expand on that. Yeah. You know, and it all comes from me talking to my friends, listening to their stuff, listening to people on the street. Like, you know, the, the best songs are about you. They're not about me shit about me it's about you and 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 that's the nugget if you can if you can speak the truth of others a universal universal thing and i'm really the best artist just hold up a mirror this is what we are looking like today and as provocative as that can be right yeah no it's true and I, i was looking uh well i was listening to the album yesterday again but also just sort of looking at the track list and it is very, like, I mean, when you look at protest song and, and love, and I've been meaning to tell you and, and together, and all these songs, like, I'm listening to it going, like, these are today's songs. Absolutely. They, they are for today. Today. Yeah. Without, you know, the trick is you don't want to preach. Right. That's, you know, I'm not a minister, not a pastor. I'm a, you know, bonehead musician. So, <laughs> so you don't want to be preaching at people. And that's very difficult. That's a very difficult thing to not do. Mm-hmm. Wag your finger. It, it, that's tricky to not do that. You know, that's the trick of it. Yeah. Um, surround yourself with great musicians. I mean, David DiRenzo, uh, the singer's drummer in Canada. You ask Tommy Cochran, ask Serena Ryder, ask anybody. Everybody's trying to get David. He's a great, 
great drummer and a fine musician. So in conversation with Davide, who's a new dad, he's got three little kids. It's a whole new world to him. He's deeply invested in the future of this world because he's got kids. So he's invested. So it was very easy to talk to him about... I want root-sounding stuff. And then he would go away and, and create these drum and rhythm tracks with bits of guitar and licks in it, and I took it back and then sit there and write, well, protest song is really your lullaby for a protest march. Yeah. It's, your, it's your lullaby. It's a Canadian, Canadian. you know, we're the people that take a permit at City Hall before we have a protest. It's $25, and that's us, right? We're not running into the streets before we have our permits. Right. Right? Very civilized. Very civilized. And I love, love, love being here that we have voice in this country like that. I got to say, I'm always interested in, when you think about how many women in Canada write their own songs. Yeah. And think about the literary world in Canada. It's very women heavy. And I'm not just talking the obvious Atwood, my beloved Atwood, or Alice Monroe, but it, it, we have, there is something about this country that allows women voice. And we hear it in our songs, and we hear, I mean, Serena writes her own songs. You know, uh, Alicia writes her own, like, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like, we write our own stories, and we've always written our, Joni, yeah. Crying out loud. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> right? Like we like, what is this what is it about the water here right. <laughs> that gives women such voice as authors as musicians? It's a very exciting country to be in. Yeah. Do you find a difference? Like are you as an artist as a female songwriter and singer, do you get treated differently elsewhere than you do in Canada? Like uh, cuz that's that's a very good point. What is Well, you know, difference? Canadians are loved everywhere. Yeah. You know, we are just universally loved because we are unarmed. We are not carrying sure. guns. We're not packing. And hence, <laughs> we got funny colored money with the queen on it. Yeah. Like all that stuff very much. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just do my thing. Yeah. I do my thing. I remember, um, I, I think uh, it was for the Because of Billy album. We were talking and you told me this really funny story about Uh-oh. how <laughs> when you would travel, because uh, you're going to be touring for this album. Yes, and I am. You, would, you were saying like when you were raising your boys, uh, you would you know, fly to France on a Friday, That's perform right. a few shows, and fly right. back to That's right. Toronto on a Sunday to do the laundry And get for those your boys. backpacks packed and get those lunches made. Which is amazing. So, I mean, what is touring like now for you compared to... Well, those, my boys are grown. Yeah. <laughs> and they're lovely, beautiful gentlemen. I'm so glad that I took a big kind of pause. I mean, honestly, to be honest, there are a few records in there I don't actually remember making because I was so sleep deprived. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm speaking to mothers around the world. We all know this, right? It's no joke. And I actually want my own podcast called Mommies in the Music <laughs> Business. Because I think... Uh, that'd be a great I mean, podcast. I mean, Sophie Mailman, we're all having babies. Everybody's panicking. And I learned from people like Diana Ross... Diana Ross, her kids only know her as the woman in the bathrobe and hair curlers. I mean, really. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor was another one. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor was the epicenter, the beginning of social media. She had all these kids nobody even knew she had until she died, and they were at her funeral. And they're like, where'd all these kids come from? I mean, I love the church and state of the business, and I love that I, as difficult as it was, said no a lot yeah. over the 10 and didn't tour heavily. I was at home. Yeah. I, and I loved it. And I made records. But now the boys are my biggest fans. Um, super supportive. One's in university. The other one's just finishing high school. They're both great cooks. Um, 
<laughs> they're real gentlemen. I, I love their friends. I love their girlfriends. I love listening to them talk about politics. And oh, it's just fantastic. That's wonderful. So now when you go on tour, is it a little bit less of a weight off of you and you can concentrate? It is. Tour, yeah? It is a little bit. I found it in the songwriting in particular. Like I actually had more headroom to write these six songs right. than the Billy record where I wrote nothing or um, the records prior where there'd be three or four cuts of mine, but primarily covers. I found that I had more headroom, uh, more time. Yeah. Um, I'm still doing a lot of laundry, but and that kid in university <laughs> seems to be home all the time. Like, whoa, are you here this weekend again? Wow, look at you in my refrigerator again. Wow, don't you live in Ottawa now? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that though, right? Gotta love the boys being home. Do you have any uh, favorite memories of going on tour, either around Canada or across the You know, they're not favorite memories because it's a grind. Canada's a massive country and it's super hard to tour it. Um, I remember touring with Tom Cochran on that Life is a Highway thing where I was the only girl in like 22 guys. And I got to tell you, we'd pull into town. I would go to a, I would go to the, the luxury brand store, just to smell beautiful perfume and hear a woman's voice. <laughs> the girl would come to clean my room in the hotel. I'm like, hey, sit down, talk to me for a while. I just want to talk to a girl for a minute. I just, you know, I just want to talk to some women. It was crazy. I also had a little dog on that tour, which really saved me because I oh, can't party with you guys. I got to walk the dog. Yeah. Save my ass, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've been the only girl loads and loads of times. Yeah. And, and, you know, how how fortuitous that I then had two boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you people. <laughs> Any good uh, advice for, uh, from someone who travels so much, tips? Or just Because it can seem so daunting sometimes. It's a little bit daunting. I just had two magnificent suits made for myself, one in fuchsia and one in a burnt orange. Oh, wow. Two suits. So I can wear the orange jacket with the pink pants, the pink jacket with, <laughs> like, I can do that. Or wear them. I'm. I'm gonna. Li- I'm. I'm all about light. Travel light. I don't have wardrobe people. I don't have makeup people. I have my bass players zipping me up. Okay. <laughs> so we need. We need to keep things real simple, right? <laughs> I love pulling up to the airport with less luggage than the guys. I find that is my goal in packing. Can I actually get this together to do six shows on one bag? Can I do six shows with one pair of shoes? Yes, I can. Just only to make the point to the boys in my band, because really it's... It's all about the jokes with the guys, right? Yeah. We just, I, my bass player and I have been playing together for over 20 years. Oh, wow. We've got some deep jokes, yeah. right? Deep, <laughs> deep stuff goes on. Yeah. The, you know, and, and for me, you know, I, I love my audience. I love, once I'm out there, it's great, but I'm not driven by that. What I'm driven by is getting to hang out with these guys and, and the breakfast every morning, the fun jokes, the getting on the train. Like, I just love traveling with them. Um, it's, it's a good time. Nice, nice. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. It's still so much fun. It's yeah, fun. I mean, awesome. you got to have funny people with you, and you got to love the guys you're with. You know, it's all... You, my contractor once gave me some very good advice. He said, never hire anyone you wouldn't have dinner with. Hmm. Right? If you're going to sit and have a meal with someone and talk to them, you know, would you, you know, you would hire that. You know, don't hire someone you don't even want to have dinner with. If you don't yeah. want to have dinner with that person, why are you working with that person? And in, 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 a, in a band situation... And I don't want to say especially jazz, but especially jazz, because there's so much improvisation with jazz musicians. Yeah. You know, we all know the song, but we don't rehearse. Right. 
rehearsal is for amateurs. Just saying. <laughs> that is a jazz tag, right? Right? We don't beat that up. Yeah. But in, in improvising, you have to have this incredible bond of trust and respect that you can relax and try something new. And you know you get the bands with you. Right. The other thing about those guys is if I can make them laugh on stage, yeah, I can make the audience laugh. That's that's I don't want to say it's easy, but you can make it's a new yeah. joke to them. But the band's heard that joke four times. Yeah. So if they're still laughing, it's gold. Like if I can make those guys laugh or go, what the heck did she just say? I know I'm I won it. I won it today. So I love that. I totally love that. I wanted to sort of just touch on your career because this fascinates me <laughs> i mean if, if you look up molly johnson you say okay i'm gonna ask molly johnson about her career well what are you gonna ask about you're gonna talk about how she's discovered by ed mervish when yes, you were in I grade was. school <laughs> yes. with your brother and your yes, cast important yes. best. i wasn't even in school actually i was still in kindergarten you're in kindergarten there we go I even really, better i was four you went to canada's national ballet school i did i danced with that corps de ballet that ballet school gave me my best training of all i've never had a voice lesson but man i had betty oliphant <laughs> and boy, oh boy, do I know where my diaphragm is. I'll tell you that right now. We ballerinas, we know where everything yeah, is. And you know how to breathe, yeah. And we know how to breathe and we know how to work through the pain. Yeah, absolutely. We know how to work yeah. through the pain. Yeah, I mean, just as a side note, I don't think people realize how painful ballet, like how much of a... Well, that is the, that is the art of yeah. ballet that makes it so extraordinary, is that y you don't see the work. You just see the art yeah. of it. It's magical, but man, it's a grind and it's hard work and it's gorgeous work though. Yeah. I loved every second at the National Ballet School. Every second of it. So so you're performing for Mervish as a child. You're then yeah. a ballet dancer. Then yeah. you're uh, down on Queen Street yeah. rocking out with Altamoda and the Infidels yes. in the 80s and 90s. Living at the Cameron House. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, what did they call it the Queen of Queen Street or the... Oh, you had a nickname. They had a million names yeah. for me back in the day. <laughs> Founded Kumbaya Festival in 1993 to help yeah. with uh, AIDS and HIV We raised over $2 charities. million dollars for people living with AIDS. And by the way, that money still happens. Yeah. And right. yeah. if you haven't seen the lineup for these shows, like, I mean, just think of, you know, some of your favorite artists and they're all there. Randy Bachman, Tom Cochran, Bare Naked yeah. Ladies, Jan Art. I mean, yeah. it just goes on and on. We got a great musical community in this country. Yeah. It is astounding. As, as small as we are, and that can be annoying sometimes in terms of population, but the smallness really works in the culture business yeah. here in Canada. We all know each other. And uh, painters, no musicians, no designers, no architects. Like it's it's a, an, a magical amalgamation of the culture in this country that I absolutely love. Yeah, it's amazing. And then, then we get to your jazz career. Oh that! <laughs> like, oh that! Know, then we finally, <laughs> after all that, we my finally, retirement no. plan, <laughs> <laughs> my jazz career. Yes, of I course. Mean, it's amazing. And then you look. I mean, I know you performed for Nelson Mandela. You performed yeah. for Princess Di and, and Prince I loved Charles. Her. She was lovely. Was she? I mean, we have Fantastic. the royal wedding coming up. Everybody's talking about. We it. do. And I met those boys when they were little, and uh, I knew her. I met her. At, I, I I don't want to say I've lost count. I'm sure if I thought about it, I think it was four or five times, and. Uh, oh. She was amazing, yeah. beautiful. Wish she was here. Yeah, and the boys were well behaved. She was a nursery <laughs> school teacher. Yeah, let's remember that. And she was one of the first royalty to nurse her boys. Yeah, right. Oh. They have wet nurses. They have people to do that. Princesses didn't nurse babies. Yeah. They had people for that, but she did. She did. 
and and she we we see her work now with those boys yeah you do they're beautiful Absolutely. boys they're they're kind they're generous they're uh, they know what's going on in the world they want to do good in the world and that's all her yeah and she didn't have them very long but those are very very formative years with small children yeah. you really need to you need to get those please and thank yous in there before they're five yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's never gonna happen it's so it's true so yeah. true it's very you true. know and so so this is I mean you've you've worked in radio and and everything else that we've talked about yeah. um, what other career goals or, or personal goals or aspirations do you still have going forward a little teeny tiny part of me would like to drive a car like not a whole bunch of me. I'd say about 5% of me would like to actually drive. I've had motorcycles in the past. Um, I was a big cyclist, but I actually don't drive. I don't have a driver's license. So I know. Whoa. Never? Never. I, I've had my learner's permit many times, but I never get around to actually getting the license part of it. And every once in a while, I... I wish I did, but I'm a punk from the 80s, and we had a thing about cars. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were too many of them, and I was very punkish about that in my day on Queen Street in my Doc Martens with my foot on your windshield wiper if you went over the line <laughs> that I was a pedestrian in. There it is. I I'm telling it. you. I love it. And I have carried that. I, I felt it was, I am so privileged to live in downtown Toronto my whole life. Yeah. If I can't manage two boys without a car, there is something wrong here. And it was sort of a political thing for me to be one less car in the world. Yes, I have a husband. Yes, he has a car. He works all day. I never saw that thing till the weekends, yeah. right? So I worked out groceries and everything with my kids, walking. They walk to school. Like, we just figured, and I just... I'm very proud of that, that I manage that. Yeah. But but again, when you live in downtown Toronto, which is, frankly, center of the universe, sorry, but it is, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you can work it without a car. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but now that I'm older, uh, there are days when I'm, wow, I could use a car right now. Taxi! <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be a great little Zoomer uh, mini you, documentary. Molly I'm telling Johnson you, my, one license. of my kids, my, my youngest kid, when he was in kindergarten, and they were doing a thing in class about, and how do you get to school? And my <laughs> mommy rides, a, rides me on my bike, and my daddy drives me on my car. My kid pipes up, my mom drives a taxi. Okay, I'm not a taxi driver, but clearly from the time he was old enough to be strapped into the back of a seat without a car seat, he was in a taxi with mom. <laughs> Now, it's funny you mentioned driving cars because um, I want to ask you about the Kensington Market Jazz Festival. Yes, and Kensington is very famous festival. for their like no car policy at certain That's times. right. The last Sunday of every month yeah. is a car-free Sunday in the market. Um, there is upwards of five, 6,000 people in that market oh, when there's no cars. Great. It's fantastic. But I have a little jazz festival in September, yeah. 14, 15, 16 of September, and um we have cars in the market. And in fact, my whole notion with this festival is we wind our way through the business. We don't stop the business. So I put music in non-music venues like the bagel store, the fish and chip store, uh, you name it. We've got indoor curated busking and ticketed events. And people just move through the market to these events. And it's cash only, <laughs> which is another market thing. Yeah. A lot of the stores in the market still are only cash only. Um, and that enables me to just take that cash and hand it to the band. Right. Take that cash and hand it to the band. I have no admin on that. Yeah. Right? So it's a beautiful festival. Yeah. 
And this is the third year. This that is you guys our third year. Here, right? Yeah. So the, the Kensington Market Jazz Festival. Um, I mean, Toronto has so many music festivals, and, and we do have a jazz festival. But we do. Kensington Market Jazz Festival. <laughs> is, I mean, just for the reason right there, like you said, you literally take the money you hand it to the band. I do. So what was it that made you say, "Hey, I need to start something like this"? Well, you know, I was born in the hospital around the corner from right. the market at the Western Hospital at Bathurst and Dundas. I've lived in the market two or three times in through my life. Um, I get so much love and attention from my record company, from media, that a lot of my jazz pals don't get. Mm-hmm. And they're awesome musicians. It's an amazing community. Uh, what a great way to take my big fat light and shine it on all of them. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I don't perform at it myself. I know, but I don't. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, that, you yeah. know what? Then it'd be about me. And sure. that's a drag. We don't want that. I can get a gig. I can gig anytime. Um, and I just love the the, the, the way that... It's an artist-driven, volunteer-driven festival. I know what musicians need to do a good show, right? They need an engaged audience. And when you ask people to come and pay cash, they are committed. This isn't buy a ticket six months in advance and maybe I'll go, maybe I won't, maybe I'll show up, maybe, you know. No, no, you show up, you pay, you see. It's very immediate, it's very authentic. And I know that musicians need engaged audience, little bit of money in their pocket and some fried chicken because I always have <laughs> fried chicken delivered from the stockyard not in the market he's my buddy he's got the best fried chicken in town and he literally puts I don't know twice through our festival day so six times chicken goes into a cab and gets sent down to the market to our green room <laughs> and our musicians um, eat chicken drink a free beer have a hang go and hear each other play. We've got one venue that's 20, kids 25 and under playing jazz. Oh, wow. Smoking. Smoking stuff goes on in there. That's in the Chinese Community Center, which Mr. Lau rents to us every year. That's like Uncle Ernie's basement. It's like old couches and a disco ball. It's perfect for young kids playing jazz. Yeah. It's like the perfect venue for them. <laughs> so we have a great time. So what's that like then if you you go into like a bagel store, or Tom's Place or somewhere? And, okay, and well, Tom, Tom's Place, he is the patron saint of yeah, our I jazz festival. Before, yeah. And he actually takes 14 racks of suits out of his store, puts them in a transport truck and parks that truck around the corner. And then we move in and Tom pays to bring an acoustic piano in there. Wow. And then Tom puts chairs up. But he's still selling suits. He's still selling socks. And Canada's best piano players do 45-minute solo piano in there. And then Tom gives him 100 bucks. Wow. And then they come around the corner and have some fried chicken. <laughs> and then they go hear Jackie Richardson sing. And life is grand. <laughs> what it, see, that, that's such a great way to do a festival. I'm telling you. And it's so much the, different than just sitting in a park and, and No, no, no. This it. is a neighborhood. This yeah. is a historic neighborhood. And frankly, the heartbeat of this city yeah. is Kensington Market. When you immigrate to Canada, it's often the first spot. Yeah. There's so much history in that market. It's so rich. There's a, an authenticity to it that uh, reminds me of what Queen Street West used to be. Before Le Chateau. Yeah. Yes. See, that's what I always Thank say. You. And, and, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I love Le Chateau. I no, do no, I, their I like, stuff. I shop I there actually too, do but like their stuff. And I, I they are from there. Montreal. I love them. But I mean. But they did kill punk. Queen. <laughs> when, I, when I was a teenager going to Queen West, it was very different. I remember when Le Chateau moved on to Queen Street and every night the punks would spray paint their windows. Every night. <laughs> and the next day they'd clean it all off until one day... We went 
And they had a whole window of the, all their mannequins were in punk clothes. Like the rip was all the same. The sa- safety pin was all the yeah. same. The whole thing. And we, all us punks, a bunch of goops and myself stood there at that window and went, well, it's over. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> Except that that band, bunch of goofs, still exist because they were absolutely the legitimate, authentic, real punks. Yeah. And they live in the market. And they've always lived in the market. And you'll see them with their dogs and their green mohawks because their hair's now white. That green gets really green. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but they were very authentic and very real, and they are actually the same guys. Yeah. Nice. The ones that are still alive, that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, um, I just want to ask you, because you're so involved in everything and you're on the go, touring, new album, all this, uh, what sort of advice or tips can you give us and our listeners for just staying healthy and, and active and, and vibrant? Well, you know, music heals, right? We all know that music heals. We all know that one song can change your day. One great song can change your, can change your mood, right? Yeah. Um, so it's all about listening. It's all about engaging. We have incredible music culture. I'm just encouraging everyone to get out of their silos, go see a play, go to the gallery. I was talking to my driver today about the Lauren Harris stuff at the AGO that's so magnificent. Um, You know, it's 12 bucks. Like, (laughs) you know, culture doesn't have to be just for the 1%. Like, it is available to all of us, and we, we have a magical city full of it. Yeah. So I, I, I encourage everyone to get out and enjoy the culture that is, that is Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, in doing that, one can't help but be healthy. One can't help but feel joy and meet new people and be involved. It's a beautiful sentiment, Molly. Thank you. Uh, Meaning to tell you, it drops. Meaning to tell you. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell you. You're brave enough, baby. Come on. <laughs> it drops today as we record this. So uh, by the oh, time fantastic. you hear this, it's, it's available, I guess, in stores, online. Uh, they can get all your tour information. And there you... are record stores. There still. are still record there stores. Are re- you can find and them. And vinyl's huge. Yes. This is my second vinyl record. I believe it's sold more in the U.S. as vinyl than CD. You believe that in 2018 opened, you're making vinyl? We opened two vinyl plants in, Can- in Toronto. Yeah. We now have three, I believe. And Americans come up here to press vinyl. Wow. So it's very exciting. And they can get all the tour information, everything, mollyjohnson.com. That's me. I believe. And uh, so, Molly, thank you so much uh, oh, for being our fun. first live guest. Super enjoyed myself. Thank you so much we for having me. love having you. Thanks. Yay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Gina, as always. For Thanks, Gina. Sort of kind of silent <laughs> no, partner. <thank> you. <laughs> she wasn't that silent. <laughs> no, no. Gina's awesome. And thanks, everyone. It's every- hard for me to be silent. I understand I completely. Funny. I'm your sister. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.